So what good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith, but no deeds? Can such a faith save them? Suppose a brother or a sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm, be well fed, but does nothing, nothing at all about their physical needs. What good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. But someone will say, well, well, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds and I will show you my faith by my deeds. You believe there's one God? Well, good. Good for you. Even the demons believe that. And they shudder. You foolish person, do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? Was not our father Abraham considered righteous by what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar. You see that his faith and his actions were working together and his faith was made complete by what he did. And the scripture was fulfilled. Abraham believed God and it was accredited to him as righteousness. And he was called God's friend. You see, a person is considered righteous by what they do and not by faith alone. In the same way, was not even Rahab the prostitute considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off in a direction that was different? As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds dead I've spent a lot of my life motivated by driven by pressured by guilt particularly in religion anybody know what I'm talking about you ever just heap guilt on yourself I can tell you it's not a great way to live constantly asking the question, am I doing enough? Is God satisfied? Am I working enough? Am I good enough? Is there more that I should be doing? Am I a good enough parent? Am I doing enough? I mean, because kids are great at heaping on guilt. Have I been a good enough husband? Have I been a good enough pastor? Are my motivations right? And then I read passages like James chapter 2, verses 14 through 26, which we just read. And I think maybe I'm not doing enough. Maybe there's more that I can do so that God will like me. Or at the very least, tolerate me. When I was a kid, I spent a lot of time at my grandma's house. And my grandma always had these sheets of gold star stickers. And if we did something good or we behaved, she would put a gold star. Gold star from grandma's the best. Then I became an adult 
And I brought that same idea into my relationship with God. If I'm good enough, if I do enough good things or right things, then maybe God will give me a gold star. And if I get enough gold stars, then maybe when I stand at the pearly gates, he'll see all those gold stars and surely let me in. And honestly, it can be a bit confusing, can it? I mean, I'm I'm trying to be faithful to the scriptures. But when I read passages like James chapter 2, like I've got some questions. Is salvation a free gift because of what Jesus did on the cross, received in faith, or is it earned by what I do? Because sometimes on the surface, dare I say, don't, don't crown me a heretic, dare, but dare I say, it's, it seems as though the Bible contradicts itself a little bit. I mean, consider these two passages. The Apostle Paul writing in Romans states, for we hold that one is justified by faith apart from the law. But James says, a person is considered righteous by what they do and not by faith alone. So which one is it? Is it faith or is it works? Is it because of Jesus or is it also because of what I do? Or is it some combination of both? And just to make matters a little more tricky and complicated, the word justified as used by the apostle Paul And the word righteous, as used by James in the Greek New Testament, is the exact same word. So which is it? Well, if you dive just a little bit deeper, what you discover is that words can have different meanings and different connotations. They can have different definitions. So, for instance, take the word rock. When I use the word rock, I could be referencing like a stone I could be referencing something I do in a chair. I could also be referencing a type of music or how I experience a type of music. Think ACDC for those about to rock. We salute you. So when the Apostle Paul writes in Romans chapter 3 verse 28, he's using that word to define how one is made right with God. It's through faith in Christ. James, however, is using that same word not to define how one is made right with God, but proof that one has been made right with God. See, Paul and James were talking about different issues. In the book of Romans, the apostle Paul is talking about becoming a follower of Christ, and James is referencing behaving as a follower of Christ. So for the next few moments, I want to go back to some some basic biblical ideals These ideals are incredibly relevant for Operation Love Your Neighbor in the series we're in right now called Stirred. The writer of Hebrews chapter 13 states that that we should all, you and I, stir up one another towards love and good works. We should encourage each other. We should should put the pressure on each other to... Actually, the word actually means irritate. We should irritate one another so that we want to do good works. We should be so irritating to each other that we want to do good in the world. So we're going to go back to some of the basics. Like when I was a kid, did you know that that most children, by the time they're age two, three, four, they can start reciting the alphabet, at least recognize letters? I mean, I remember I was a kid, I I learned the alphabet through a song. You probably did too. A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K. Okay. 
So we're going to go back for a moment to our ABCs, but this time we're going to go back to the ABCs of, of, of theology. And I want you to hang with me. I'm going to give you a quick overview of my seminary education, something that took me 12 years to accomplish. It should have taken seven, but I like to drag things out. Uh, I spent thousands of dollars to, to, give you, to get what I'm about, about to give you right now. I'm going to give you the, the theological ABCs of the scripture. So we're going to begin with A. And A is represented by the word justification. Justification is a theological word. It simply means being made right with God. So you could also say conversion. You can also say it's when I trusted Christ. You could also say I gave my life to Christ. All of those phrases kind of define what justification is all about. The Apostle Paul, writing in the book of Romans, says this. We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. That's justification. And this is true for everyone who believes, every single one of us, no matter who we are. For everyone is sinned, every single one of us, and we all fall short of God's glorious standard. Yet in his grace, he freely makes us right in his sight. He did this through Jesus Christ, through Christ Jesus, when he freed us from the penalty of our sins. For God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. At the very center of our faith, what we see is a crucified Savior. I mean, think about that for a moment, right? We don't have a savior who was a type A, dominant, driven, powerful, powerful overlord, demanding anything. What we have is a crucified savior. In the midst of a culture that is all about power and acquiring and my rights and being right and getting what I deserve and what I want, in the middle of all that, what we see is a cross. I mean... All of this, we do, is because of a cross. That's how I'm made right with God. Yes, now of course there was a resurrection. Jesus rose from the dead proving who he was. And we love the vacant cross. We love, yes, he rose, but we forget, sometimes diminish, that in order for there to be a resurrection, there first had to be a crucifixion. And I'm made right with God by trusting in him, trusting in that. I can't earn it. I don't deserve it. It's God's great love. It's unexplainable grace. I just, I just, just receive. But that's not where I stop. Because then there's B. B, we associate with the theological word sanctification. The word sanctification is the reference to a process of change. The process of being set apart, becoming different. Now the key is process, because when I came to faith in Christ, I brought me with me. And there was a whole lot of me that needed to be worked out. But I also had this desire to become like Christ. As I read the Gospels, I want to become like that. And Jesus even promised us that I didn't have to do this alone, that there was a process that was going to be guided by his Holy Spirit. Jesus even said in the Gospel of John, chapter 16, but when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, 
He will guide you into all truth. And as I start to change and become more like Christ, the natural result is good works. It's my faith becoming visible. B is proof of A. B is making A visible for all the world to see. The evidence of my faith is the transformation of my behavior, which is a process because there was a whole lot of me that needed to be worked out. Like when I came to faith in Christ, I was incredibly stingy, almost greedy, maybe more out of fear than greed, but I was so greedy with what I had, with my money, with everything. I did not give freely. I held tightly. When I married my wife, I was about seven years into my faith and I still had a little me in there. And though I was very, I was a tightwad. I guess I, no, I, I, I was a tightwad. And the love of my life was, is a little more free with how things go out. And so several times there was conflict. So much so that I kind of got on her and made her cry a couple times because of the way she spent money. I was basically a jerk. But through a process, God's Holy Spirit convicted me and God's goodness began to push out all that sinful, stingy to now, though I'm still a work in process, my natural default is more towards being generous, being open, being free with what I've... It is, if, if you would have known me, you would have said that was a miraculous, radical transformation. I don't say that to tell you how great I am now, but to point back and say, this is what God can do if you let him. His goodness will push it all out. I began to change I interact with the world differently. I see people differently. And so when I hear the words of James chapter 2, what good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but no deeds? Can such a faith save him? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food and one of you says to them, because you're so stingy and greedy, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their needs. What good is that? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. But someone will say, well, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds. Show me A without B. And I'll show you my faith by my deeds. I'll show you A by B. You believe that there's one God? Well, good for you. Even the demons believe that and they shudder. You foolish person, you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? Just look to Abraham. Listen, I, I, don't, I don't do good works. I don't live generously. I don't help those in need. I don't love my neighbor as myself because I have to. I want to. Like, I get to. Because of what Christ has done for me. Doing good is how my faith becomes visible. 
Because what good is it if I say in my heart to someone who has a need and I have the ability to meet it? Sorry you have that need. I hope God takes care of that for you. I'll pray for you. I'll pray that God will meet your need. When I actually am the answer to the prayer, I don't need to pray. I just do something about it. Now the great news is, Northbrook is filled with a whole lot of people who are doing a whole lot of good. Last Tuesday, some of you jumped on the do-good bus and headed over to the Hub in West Bend with big brothers and big sisters. Some of you went and played board games with kids, had dinner with them, just loved on, loved on kids who needed to see the light of Christ. And, and one family wrote us a note and they said, thank you for encouraging me to step out in faith and hop on the do-good bus. My family and I had such a fun night loving on the little ones from big brothers and big sisters. It was such a neat experience from beginning to end, not knowing where we were going, but there were laughs and stories and games. Our daughters really loved the event, and we felt God pulling on our hearts and are looking into becoming a big family with big brothers and big sisters. Thanks for the opportunity. Thanks for making it possible. The great news is it's not too late. We've got four more do-good buses going out. You can register online, hop on. But we didn't stop there. This last week, we also had a blood drive simple way. I know some of you are afraid of needles, but a simple way to just give. Our goal was to get 22 units of blood. You collected 38, which means 144 people in Wisconsin may keep their life because of what you did. But we didn't stop there. Friday night, we had a foster family night. We had foster families from the area come in, and we just gave parents a break. Some of you are foster families. You know it's a lot of work. We gave them a break. We gave them dinner. We played with their kids. And then we sent them home with a pre-made meal so they could have a dinner just ready to go on a night when things are just too busy. And then just yesterday, some of you went over to our partner church in the city, You Flourish Church in Milwaukee, and helped them rip out some carpet and get some of that old nasty stuff out of there and just did good in Jesus' name. No one did this because they had to. This happened because you wanted to. James says... Like, if I don't, then my words are empty. The the word, the phrase foolish person, James says, you foolish person, that word actually means shallow and fake. And nobody likes fake, right? So my dad and my mom, they own a house in southwest Florida. They live in Michigan, but they have this snowbird house. And my dad wanted to plant a lemon tree because you don't, really grow lemons in Michigan. So he planted a lemon tree in the backyard of his house in Fort Myers, Florida. First year, no lemons. He went back the second year and the tree was covered in lemons. He was so excited. He couldn't wait to to squeeze those lemons, put them in water, make lemonade just out of your own lemon tree in your own backyard. And he went out to that lemon tree to get those fresh lemons and he grabbed the first one off and he discovered that every single one was plastic. Because <laughs> his brother was there the week before. <laughs> and covered the tree in plastic lemons just to mess with him. If you have a healthy lemon tree, the natural result is lemons. A tree that is said to be a lemon tree that doesn't produce lemons is dead. 
In the same way, faith without good work, good deeds, is dead. And we've got to, you can't stop at A and B because there is a C. And C, C is represented by the word glorification. The word glorification simply means the hope of heaven. It's someday you and I are going to spend eternity with God. The scriptures remind us in the book of Revelations that he will wipe every tear from every eye. There'll be no more death, no more mourning or crying or pain. The old things have passed away. All brokenness and anxiety and shame and guilt and cancer is gone and death is eradicated and I can eat all the tacos I want and not gain a single pound. It's going to be glorious. Now listen, I love A. Because A is all about grace and it's a free gift and I can't earn it and Jesus loves me and it's incredible and I just receive it. No matter what I've done or who I've been, I just receive this and it's awesome. And man, do I love C. Someday I'm going to spend eternity with the Lord. I am going to bask in the glory of heaven and it's going to be an experience that will blow my mind. But B, B is a little harder to embrace because B requires something of me. B requires that I put my faith into action. B requires me to yield myself to the Holy Spirit and allow the process of transformation to take place. That's what James is talking about when he says, as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. He makes a reference to Abraham when he says, you see that his faith, Abraham's faith and his actions were working together and his faith was made complete by what he did. A, B, and C is simply the representation of a complete faith. And there's only one thing I can do. I can receive and I can yield my life to the work of the Holy Spirit. See, Operation Love Your Neighbor is all about our faith becoming visible. Imagine if hundreds of thousands of millions of people who have claimed to receive Christ Imagine if that faith would become visible in some real tangible ways as we became like him. One of the values of our church is taking next next steps with God. And my next step for all of us this week is head over to our website. Click on Outreach. Click on Operation Love Your Neighbor 2021. We've got a whole bunch of opportunities before this month is over to tangibly love our neighbor, as ourself, not because we have to, because we get to. And so gracious God, I, I stand before you uh, this day and I am thankful for the cross. May I never forget, may we never forget that at the very center and foundation of our faith is a crucified savior. That our faith is, is centered in humility and servitude and, 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 and serving and giving and loving And as we receive that from you, may we overflow in good works as we are transformed, as we become more like you, 
May our attitudes become more like yours. May our thoughts become more like yours. And may our actions, our deeds, and our behavior become more like yours. And while we do hope for an eternity with you, may we as a congregation let your love grow hands and feet as we serve the world by loving our neighbor as ourself. Amen. Amen.